On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, we start out with some odd stories, like a guy that drinks his own urine because he thinks it's good for him. Plus, the story of actor Jesse Williams from the play Take Me Out. Somebody took a picture of him on stage full frontal, and it's now floating around the internet. What should he do? Plus, our friend stand-up comic Kathy Ladman joins us. She is about to premiere her own one-woman show. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and at stevemason.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob Imrani. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit Call Jacob. Hey everybody, welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, I'm really excited today because we got a friend of ours with us. Yes, Uh, a good, good good friend. Our guest today is a stand-up comic. She's appeared on The Tonight Show, on The Late Late Show. She has also had supporting roles in Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead, Charlie Wilson's War, Everybody Loves Raymond, on and on. And she will open her one-woman show Friday, June the 3rd at the Pico Theater in Los Angeles. It's called Does This Show Make Me Look Fat? Our friend Kathy Ladman is here. Kathy, thank you for coming. Hello, hello. (laughs) <laughs> That's not too uh, inauthentic, is it? No, Hello. No, it sounded good. It sounded good. No, I, you know what? I want you to talk like that the entire show. I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> You're like, who's that guy? What, what was that movie um, where the guy always said everything twice? Was that the oh. um, a Bronx Tale? Was that it? I can't remember. Bronx Tale? I can't remember. But I, think it, I think it was a Bronx Tale. The character himself. was like, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. He always <laughs> said everything. <laughs> so, Kathy, you told us yes. right before we started that you were you woke up at 3 a.m. What's going uh, on? You know, I don't sleep well. Uh, I just don't sleep well at this stage in my life. Um, some people might call me elderly, but um, <laughs> technically speaking, but um, I just don't sleep well. And um, I seem to get up every night at about three in the morning, but I generally go back to sleep. And last night I did not go back to sleep. So I'm tired, but I'm really like jangly and speedy right now. And later I think I'm going to crash and probably cry. That's that's generally generally how something like this works. Wow, what a day! What a day you have! What a a day you have planned! Yes, I have a lot. It's in my calendar. From three to four, I cry. (laughs) Now, what do you do when you get up at three? Well, I do the stupidest thing. I pick up my phone. It's the stupidest thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's stimulating. The blue light is not good for you. For you, it doesn't help induce sleep. So, uh, you know, if and if I could resist that, I think I'd be better off. But that's won't you that's put your my, won't you put your phone in another room? Um, I could do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's like the worst thing you can do to try to go back to sleep. For it sure, it is. Yeah, it's terrible because first of all. I'm also on the West Coast. So when I get up early, the East Coast's got some stuff going on. Right, right. So, you know, it's not it's not like the whole world's asleep when I wake up. The world is happening. And I pick up my phone and I see news and I see 
um, I see, um, you know, news on, in, in like the New York Times or the or the, uh, any other Washington Post. Yeah. And, and then my friends who are on the East Coast, I see what they're doing. And and then it's, you know, and then I'm down the rabbit hole and it's terrible. So I heard you on Jimmy Pardo's podcast, which is a really fun show. Oh, so fun. And yeah. you and, and Jimmy's been on on our show, too. Yes. And you were talking about the Wordle. Do you do the work? Do you still do the Wordle every day? I do. I mean, occasionally I've missed it just because I get caught up in my day. But, you know, it was really interesting. Did you talk about this the other day? No. Um, That the word was fetus. Oh, that's right. And they actually, and I thought, wow, that's very interesting. I wonder how that happened. And I saw that they actually mentioned it, that it was not anything intentional, that the word just kind of came up in however they choose words randomly. But it was pretty interesting that that came up during what's going on now. It is weird. You know, I thought yesterday's, I don't know if you did it yesterday, but I thought yesterday's word was total bullshit. I could not get that. I can't remember what what was yesterday. It was gecko. Gecko. Oh, I missed it. I missed it too. No, I mean, I missed, I didn't do it yesterday. Oh, you didn't? Oh, sorry. I I guess not. Yeah, gecko was impossible to get. So are you doing the wordle yet? No, I, I'm not, and I'm not going to. Really? What's, um, what, why you're not, not a joiner? I, why aren't I do, you going I to? do a different game called Wordscape. Oh, oh I do Wordscape, too. Um, the Jumble. Is, oh, is, is is that the one? Yeah, that's the one. You get, you like, all find. those words in a circle? Yes, yes, yes. yes. And then they it's, fly up into, yes. like, a puzzle? Yes. Yeah. So, Kathy, yeah. I'm, so, hard. I'm so it stupid. Hard. I'm so stupid that... Yeah, I measure. Not stupid, Steve. I measure my day by if I get my wordle or not. So, that's, like, that's stupid. That's really hard on yourself. Today is going to be a great day because I got it in three. So I know this day is going to be fantastic. Today I got it in five, and I can't even remember what it is. Yeah, it was Harry. What? Harry. H A I. You know, you're doing a different wordle. Are am doing. I? Yeah. Do you still do the? I mean, is it? I still the do York the New York Times, Times one. Yeah. That's so, that's, how are you getting different words than I'm getting? There's two, yeah, there's two wordles floating around. Um, oh, there's like a meta, there's like a metaverse wordle. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's yeah, mine was farce today. Farce, oh, that's a tough farce, one too. yeah. So what we usually yeah. do at this time in the show, mm-hmm. Kathy, is we do some stories and normally it's just Sue and I, but we know you, you're hilarious and you're a good reactor and all that stuff. So I thought okay. we'd do the stories with you. Uh, oh, Sue, Sue okay. do you want to take the first one? Okie dokie. <laughs> Sue's are always ridiculous. Go ahead. This is, this, is, this is right up there. So there's a guy in England named Harry Matadine. And um, he drinks his own urine. Wow. <laughs> and is claimed that it's cured him of his depression and has made him look 10 years younger. <laughs> How does he know that? What is well, he measuring it by? How does he know that he looks 10 years younger? Look, a guy's dealing with a urine brain. In urine years, in urine years, he's younger. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is true, but I have heard that <laughs> urine is like extremely sterile. Is that true? Well, don't people drink that in like, like if you're, if you're in the wilderness or something and you run out of uh, liquid. Better call Saul, Bob Odenkirk one time, or his character Saul was out in the desert and that's how he survived was drinking his own. I wonder what it tastes like. 
Well, he says um, he drinks 200 um, milliliters. Tastes like chicken. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he drinks 200 milliliters of his own urine every day. And um, what? And then he often, <laughs> the drink, his daily drink often consists of month old urine topped off with a oh. splash of fresh pee. <laughs> Oh my God! Does it? Does the story say how he got started on this? And yeah, like his idea. How do you start that? Like, hmm. One day, I think I'll try my urine. Um, it. He doesn't say, but he. And and, and not only does he drink it, but he rubs it on his face. Oh my for his God! Skin. And he said God. his skin is soft and glowing. <laughs> this guy's out of his mind. Oh, and so the great thing is that. Um, he said that uh, ever since he's been doing his um, urine therapy, um, his family never approved of his disgusting habit, and his sister um, stopped communicating with him. Yeah. I so. wonder what his breath is like. <laughs> <laughs> urine breath, urine breath. I know. It's like, it's like <laughs> can you imagine? And, and then yes. it goes back in. Oh, Ew. God. No. I, I just well, I'm happy for him if he's found, if he's found a good thing. For yeah, himself, me too. If it's, it's if it's working, a, yeah. I, and and what it's are the bizarre. chances? What are the chances this guy is single? <laughs> <laughs> very very really, high. good chance. Very high. Speaking <laughs> of single, my story. Okay. Uh-huh. So this is an ex NFL cheerleader. Her, her name is Sha Tab. S H A Tab. She's 42 years old. Beautiful girl. I saw a picture of her. Isn't that too old to be a cheerleader? How well, old she, is she? 42. She was a cheerleader. She was a cheerleader. Oh, yeah, okay. 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 Uh, for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> and uh, now she's a traffic reporter in South Florida. Uh, but she has put. Isn't her, that too old to be a traffic reporter in South Florida? It is Florida? a little old. Yeah, in South Florida. <laughs> Does, uh, she, she, does she yell out the cheers while she's traffic reporting? <laughs> yeah. So okay, she sorry. has put a billboard up in Times Square with her dating profile. Um, the, there's a beautiful picture of her. Um, her friends put it up. It says, date our friend. Shaw is always cheering others on. Now we are cheering her on. And there is a website for her. Now, my question mm. is, people go to great lengths to find their match in the world. What does it, how is it that a beautiful, beautiful girl has to go to this length to find somebody? Well, looks aren't everything, Steve. I mean, you know, just because you're, you're beautiful physically doesn't mean that you're going to find somebody compatible to you. You don't know what she's like. Maybe she's I a half cup, of, half cup of crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's something uh, really wrong with her. <laughs> I wouldn't want my picture up in Times Square for that purpose. Well, it's yeah. I, I mean, think I would attract the wrong people. Yeah, and look, if, tourists, tourists, exactly tourists, the wrong that's people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on looky, looky, lose. On you don't want any looky Lion lose. King. No. <laughs> What'd you say, Steve? <laughs> on their way to the Lion King. Yeah, really. You know, like you don't all want the tourists. that. Yeah. You know, one time speaking of tourists, I was in um, Vegas. Uh, several years ago and my friend worked at the Paris um, hotel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with the, when you go into the Paris, the, the, the it looks like the sky and then, and, up, and then, and then you see like the Eiffel tower kind of yes. going into them. So we were talking just, she, I was like behind this woman on the buffet line and we were talking and she said to me at one point in our conversation that she felt that she did not need to go to Europe because she's been to Vegas. 
I know the silence is appropriate. It's appropriate. It's so shocking that somebody could find Vegas uh, a substitute for Europe because she had the Paris. She had the Venetian. Yes. She had um, uh, Bellagio. Bellagio, I mean, these, very Italian. All of these very um, European themed hotels that she felt were a Caesar's palace. I mean, like, you yeah, know, she didn't have to go to Rome. <laughs> going to Rome. To go to Rome. <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't the form right there. And in, if she'd the never shop, been yeah. to New York, if she never went to New York, she went to New, New York, New York. York. Exactly. <laughs> with the roller coaster going right through very town. Very sad, actually. Exactly. Very Authentic. Yeah. But you know, you, you know, you're talking about like a po- like a, a billboard uh, with people on it. And years ago, I'll never forget, there was a billboard and it had a picture of a guy who was really, really handsome. And I used to pass it all the time on my way to work. And I had like a crush on it. <laughs> And I wanted to find who he was because he was so handsome. And he, I mean, obviously he wasn't vying for a date, but I was right. like, how do I find this guy? What was it for? Do you remember what the ad was for? Well, it wasn't for erectile dysfunction. I'm was it, the, was it the Marlboro man? <laughs> he wasn't a, no, he wasn't a smoker. Well, that I know of. Um, but I was obsessed with him. And I remember, wow. I remember um, my girl, my girlfriend, Nicole, um, she, we wrote on sex in the city together. And then years later, she went back by herself and I said, I think it's kind of a funny storyline that one of them is obsessed with this guy on the billboard and desperately trying to find him. That's a great storyline. Yeah. yeah, she never pitched it. You know, uh, right. anyway. you mentioned right. you mentioned Nicole. So I was at your birthday party. This is so embarrassing. So I was at your birthday party. And I got a little rock and stoned. So I am talking to Nicole and I completely lost my place in the conversation. Had no idea what I started to say. So I looked at Juan right away and I was like, did, did I, where was I? He's like, you're on your own on this one. I had no clue how to <laughs> get back happens. to the thought. What'd you back say? To the thought. What are we talking about? Well, when are we, um, what that was, happens. What was I, what, what were we? Huh? Yeah. It's very I know. And then, and then did you, now let me ask you the uh, honest truth, Steve. Did you, were you upfront with it or did you try to cover? Uh, she looked at me and said, you're really baked. And I think you want to go home. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? so she gave you an out. She gave me an out. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Actually, the question was interesting though. At what age are you old? I That's think it's a matter of, I was trying to think of, I think it's a mindset. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm 66, but I don't feel old. And some people would think that's, I mean, my daughter thinks that's ancient. Right. right. Old so, isn't what it used to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, my when I my grandparents were in their 60s, I thought that was old. That was grandparent age. But they kind of were old. Like my grandparents in their 60s kind of were old. They acted old. I don't think like, for example, you two are a notch older than me. You don't you don't act old. No, yeah. look, I'm wearing workout clothes. Exactly. That proves it. You're getting up at 3 a.m. to work out. That's right. <laughs> but it's like even like like Tom's mom, she I think she's 88. She's 87 or 88. She's so immature. <laughs> she is so funny. Like your your mom, Steve. I mean, she's not that old. Your mom's, My mom's silly. Yeah. No, she's going to turn 80 this year. Oh, she's going to turn 80. Your wow, mom is very, young. very silly and very funny and very youthful. Yes. So. I My mom at 80 goes to work every day at the at the uh, local 
school and is she's the office lady at the school. That's so great. Yeah, she so that she keeps you young. She'll never being quit. around kids. She'll never quit. All right, Sue, what do you got? All right, so Sue's stories, by the way, always sillier and weirder than mine. Okay, so this woman is dating this guy, and he's a doctor. Yeah, and she you know, introduced him to her family and she's been with him for like eight months or whatever. And he's really, really pissed off at her because she never drinks her own urine. I'm sorry. She doesn't Um, drink. She doesn't drink her own urine, (laughs) nor does she put it on her face. Um, (laughs) He's pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, so he's really, really pissed off at her because um, she does when she introduces him to people and even when he's with the family and like, you know, other relatives, they don't refer to him, address him as doctor, whatever the hell his first name mm. is. And he feels disrespected. And it's and she's like, what are you talking about? Like, we're just casually hanging out in he our house together. He needs to use his title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's very, very firm. That's about That's very it. insecure. Is it his I title think. and his last name? Like, for example, Jerry Buss, owner of the Lakers for years and years, was Dr. Jerry Buss. We still call him Dr. Jerry Buss. He actually got his doctorate in chemistry. So I guess that makes him a doctor. Well, it does. If you have a doctorate. Yeah, that's like like Dr. Jill Biden, you know, like, yeah, no, but but when I'm sure when they're all hanging out at the Bidens, you know, they're saying Jill. (laughs) Hey, Dr. Jill. Right. Hey, Dr. Jill. You know, it's like a cartoon or something. Hello, Dr. Jill. Like Dr. Um, Nick on The Simpsons. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yes. So, um, well, Sue and I are going to keep saying the same words for a while. <laughs> it's good. Well, you guys are very tight, so I'm sure you have just <laughs> similar similar thoughts about things. Okay, yeah, I think that's out of control. I, I do you call her Dr. Jill Biden? Do do I? Yeah. No, I mean, like when, when you, you refer, refer to, to Jill her? Biden, do you say Dr. I say she's she's Jill Biden. I never refer to her as Dr. Jill. Jill and Dr. Jill. No, Dr. Jill. She's a doctor. Right. But uh, you no. don't you, you don't call her that. No, never. I call her, I'd call her Jill. I, I would yeah, say Jill Biden. I mean, yeah, I and even if and even if I met her, you know, I would maybe say you know Mrs. Biden, you know, or but I would never put the doctor there. Yeah. Well, if weird. you met her, you would call. I think you would call. You wouldn't call her Jill. You would probably refer to her as Doctor Biden. Doctor right? Biden. If yeah. you met her, wouldn't you say Doctor Biden? Doctor Mo. Doctor Howard. Doctor <laughs> Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I got one more here. So there is a photo all over the internet of actor Jesse Williams with full frontal nudity. I heard about this. So here's how this happened. He's doing a play called Take Me Out. uh, So we talked to somebody from Take. Did you guys see it? I did. We we, 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 we saw it. An um, earlier version with Dennis O'Hare. Oh, Dennis O'Hare. That's who we had on the show. That's who we had on the show. Right. So there's a lot of nudity in this. Apparently, there's like a locker room scene and yes. guys are taking showers and all this stuff. And fantastic. you have to take fantastic. You have to it take is. your phone. It was. It was great. It was a great play. It was play. really great. It was, yeah, it was a great play. You and it was great your, seeing all the penises. There you go. So you have to take your phone <laughs> and put it in one of those bags, you know, so you yes. can't take pictures. Somebody snuck a phone in and took a picture of Jesse Williams naked and now it's floating all over the internet what should jesse williams do 
Nothing. What Nothing. is he going to do? Nothing. I mean, oh, you he's, mean like, on, he's, he's like naked sue, on Broadway. You mean like sue somebody? You mean? Well, I mean, there's a picture of it. I mean, nobody has full frontal nudity of them floating around or not a lot of people. I well, saw it on Twitter. I'm like, what the hell? This is on Twitter. But Elon, where are you? You've got to delete this. Uh, I don't. I mean, he's on Broadway naked. I don't. I I would be surprised to think that he had anything bad to say about it. I mean, it's it, it just reflects on the person who did it. It's stupid. It was it was pro, it was wrong to take the picture. But what's he going to do? Well, here's the thing about I don't know if you've seen the picture. I've not. Is it been doctored? No, but you guys would really, really like him. I don't know. You don't know what does I he really go by. Really does he like. go by Doctor Cock? <laughs> he, he is. Uh, Boy, is he? Is he well endowed? He's impressive. Yeah, he's impressive. Yeah, I don't like See, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's intimidating. I, I think, think there. Yeah, totally. Like, I think that there are a lot of guys who think women like love that. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you a great story. I have a girlfriend yeah. whose name I will not mention on the okay. air. Um, who uh, was gonna went home with a guy? It was a black guy, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they're in his apartment, and you know they're gonna have sex. And he takes his pants off, and she sees the size of him, and she said, "I have to go home." <laughs> she said she was actually she was actually scared. I mean, you have to think about the logistics. I mean, you see something like that, you think. There's going to be a problem here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Problem. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, wait, whoa, whoa. You're putting that inside of me? Yeah, I don't think no, so. No, no, I don't no, have no, that no. kind of space. No, I don't. I have run out of penis ram. I have, I'm a hoarder. I don't, I don't have, have enough. Have enough my vagina space. doesn't have enough megabytes <laughs> to support this penis. <laughs> yeah, if I was Jesse, I would let her, I would probably retweet it if I was Jesse. I'd be like, hey, I look good. Yeah, I mean, especially if it was impressive. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how you that's how you take your power back. I mean, I would be more pissed off if I was a guy and someone took a picture of me naked and my penis was really small. (laughs) It's true. That would be rough. (laughs) Then that would be an issue. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, then you would then you would want to doctor it and enlarge enlarge. Do you think let me ask you something. Do you think that he would have been hired to be in the show if he was a terrific actor? And then then he took off his pants and they saw that he had a small penis. Do you think that would have discouraged a good question. Them to cast him? I think I, there I, are, I think so. There are probably yeah. some small penis guys in that movie. In the in show, the in, the show in that show. Yeah. I think, I th- don't you think they're judging it by how they act as opposed to, I would how they hope look? so, but I think that's part of, I think that's part of the role. I mean, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's a big part of the, um, it's a big part of the role because there's a, you know, there's a reveal scene and, and um, yeah, I think, I think that would come into play as far as, you know, who was cast. I would think I, so. I, it may take me out because I would just be staring at the scene. <laughs> take you, take oh, you right yeah. out of the show. <laughs> take me, take me out of the show. <laughs> cause, cause then you'd just be like, I can't believe how small his penis is. <laughs> I mean, he's cute and he's a, pro- he's a really good actor. But in some ways, it's hard for me to even tell because I'm just so checked out. Right. But, you know, if there was more f- frontal nudity in shows, then maybe it wouldn't be such a yeah, big deal. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I want to ask you guys a question. Has anybody ever um, 
filmed you or taken pictures of you on that, that you had no idea. Like, and, and, I was and you were naked and you had no idea. Um, no, no, no. Do you have any pictures of yourself? I don't think so. Cause I have no that idea you, that you volunteered for. No, no. But you know, years ago, I'm not secure. Like that. a generation, by the way, there's a whole generation that if you looked at their camera rolls, there are probably sex pictures and, you know, uh, this, this is what, uh, this is what the kids are doing now. Everybody's wow. got a naked photo. When, when I was, um, when I was, I guess in my early twenties, I was living with a girlfriend. Um, I was living with her family and, uh, I was upstairs in her room. My boyfriend was with me and she had a camera on her dresser. And while I was getting undressed to take, I guess, getting, taking my pajamas off to put my clothes on, um, my boyfriend took pictures of me without my knowledge Whoa, wow. with her camera. So like a couple of weeks later, she went to get the film developed. And those were the days where the person who develops the film sees all the pictures. Right. So he is looking at her kind of strangely because there's five pictures of me naked and he's kind of looking at her and and she's looking at him and she doesn't know why he's looking at her. So she comes home, she looks at the pictures and she says to me, did I ever take naked pictures? <laughs> and I said, damn Ralph. <laughs> well, Sue, you remember at one of my parties, our dog sitter. Oh, she was. Crazy. I don't want to go into detail on this, yes, but our crazy. dog sitter had sex pictures and she was showing them to everybody and oh, bragging wow. about them. And all I could think was that's, well, I thought it, first of all, I thought it was really funny, but oh, secondly, we were I thought we were it was hysterical. I thought it was really tragic too. Oh yeah, my it God. was tragic. Yeah. It was tragic. And you know, and she was Sounds taking care of your dog and she was yeah. taking care of the dog. So I don't know if she was naked in front of the dogs. Yeah. You I don't know what you know. was, I don't know what was going on when she was uh, in the house by herself. Sometimes um, when I'm naked in front of my dog, I don't like the look on his face. <laughs> 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 it looks he looks disappointed that's yeah. what i'd like to say <laughs> okay let's get to the interview part of the show i i'm a big like you know uh, i'll just say what's going on i don't care about formatics and all that stuff so um so you were on the tonight show how many times nine times that's crazy what was the first time like um well the very first time i was supposed to be on i was bumped which means that I was not, I, you know, Harry Anderson was on and he went one segment over. So they didn't have time for me. And that was disappointing. And that was with Johnny. Oh, wow. Um, and then the first time I was on with Jay, because mm -hmm. he was filling in for Johnny at that time. And the first, so the first two times I was on with Jay. And actually, I have to say, in retrospect, that was probably more comfortable and less um, intimidating because I knew Jay. Um, and I immediately went to do panel, um, which would not have been the case had I been on the first time with Johnny. Um, so that was good. And then when they wanted to put me on with Johnny, I said, well, I really want to do panel. You know, I don't want to have 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 done panel and then not do panel. So they said, that's that's fine. You can do panel. So then the next I guess the next four or five times I was on with Johnny. Wow. What? And what it was and, great. And what was the span of like, you know, how soon did you go back after each set? Well, the first 
the when I after my first time, there was about two months between my first and second time, um, which was I think Lord. fast for me. Yeah, yeah. very. That's um, but fast. you know, but what they said to do is always have your next set ready, and as the sets progressed, it got more and more difficult. I mean, I was. I guess I would, I mean, at the time I was more prolific, certainly more prolific than I am now, but I wasn't somebody who was crazily prolific. So it got, you know, oh, I got to really work on this. I got to really work. And so, you know, initially it was easier because you ha- I had more A material. Right. And then as, as time went on, I had to really. So you had two months basically to come up with a new set for the Tonight Show. Yeah. Between my first and second one, which was fine though. That was, that was. That was not hard. Well, it wasn't like you had to come up with. I mean, you you had the material. I had the material, but I had, had to craft put the set. You had to craft right. a set out of what you. It's not like you had to write a whole new. No, but I did you, actually write a new opening, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't. I never did until I was on TV. Mm. Wow, I know because I absolutely had so much faith in it. Um, it and it was, um, you know, I read somewhere that most of us are likely to have the same kind of marriages that our parents had. Well, why don't you just shoot me in the head right now? <laughs> and I remember, and my parents didn't see it because when it, when it aired, there was a uh, a plane. It didn't crash, but it missed the runway in LaGuardia, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, nobody was uh, killed. So that was good, but it took over the airwaves when it aired on the East Coast. Mm. So the next time I was in, I brought the videotape. That's how long ago it was. I brought the videotape back to New York and I watched it with my parents and they had no reaction to it. But I'm sure they had (laughs) internally, I'm sure they reacted, but there was no outward reaction. I I know that they had a lot, uh, particularly my mother, I'm sure she had a lot. Uh, that she would have said about it had she wanted to verbalize it. But huh. I wanted them to see it. I wanted it out in the open. Yeah, I yeah. didn't want that hidden from them. Sure. And also, you know, you know, I don't know how it would have affected them, but to see you on TV with Johnny doing this, uh, it was with Johnny? This was Jay. Just this with Jay? With Jay. But, yeah. but, but being on The Tonight Show and doing this joke and the audience just going nuts. Yes. You know, I don't know if that would have diffused it for them. Maybe. Or, I don't know. know. Maybe. Mm. But they had a terrible marriage. Right. They had a terrible marriage and they were married for 63 years. Mm. Ultimately. And is that part of what constantly. made you? Is that part of what made you funny? Do you think? Um, well, I mean, my dad was a funny guy, so I was around that. I mean, he was funny and terrifying. Those were his two mm. two um, two spheres of, of personality. <laughs> wow. um, and um and also, I was the youngest of three, so I was clamoring for attention so that when I found that I could get attention from making people laugh, I hooked on to that. And then I became very interested in comedians at a very early age. I was probably eight years old when I started listening to comedy albums. I had a pretty sophisticated ear, and my favorite ones were Nichols and May, mm. whom I just 
adored. Now, didn't you work with Mike Nicholson? I did. I got to work with him. And this is a great story, actually. I memorized this album, Nichols and May Examine Doctors. I memorized the entire album. And when I was little and my mom would um, say, come say goodnight to me, I would say my prayers and then I would do a selection off the album for her. Hmm. And she really didn't know what to make of it. You know, she was like, oh, okay, that's nice. And um, then... <laughs> Years later, I'm doing this movie. I'm doing What Planet Are You From? Mm -hmm. And we were shooting uh, in Antelope Valley, like, well, you know, north of Los Angeles. And, um, and we were out on this patio of this house. And Mike Nichols had, he had hurt his foot. So he was in a boot. So he wasn't moving around a lot. And I was just randomly standing next to him. I wasn't, I didn't like walk over and stand next to him. I was just randomly kind of there just so happened and we're like next to each other, shoulder to shoulder. And without thinking about it, I started doing the first thing, the first selection on the album, which is called more gauze. And I said, gauze. And he said, gauze. And I said, more gauze. He goes, more gauze. And, and we started doing the oh, bit. Wow. I know it was insane. And every time I tell the story, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Man. It was so surreal to think that I had gone from that moment of being a kid and just loving this world and wanting to be a part of it to working with the same guy. That's crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. Isn't it, isn't it kind of amazing, you know, in our stand-up careers and Steve, I want to ask you the same question, you know, from your perspective, um, when you get to work with people that you saw when you were a kid, yeah. Like, like I opened for Rosemary Clooney, right? I spent wow. a week with her, you know. Wow. Um, I I worked with Bob Hope and Milton Berle, and wow. it's like, oh it's my god, I know. Yeah. It's like it's like this, this this perspective shift because you see them in a completely different way when they're far off there and they're just iconic, and then when you're side by side with them and you're working in the same world as they are, right? It just it's strange. So my yeah. best story like great. that, my best story like that is I, as a little kid, I listened to talk radio all the time. Everybody was listening to the music stations. I was listening to AM talk radio and on all night was Tom Snyder. He did a, an overnight show. Mm -hmm. And I remember too, the tomorrow show when I was a little kid, mm -hmm. I snuck downstairs to the family room because he had Charles Manson on. He did an interview with Charles Manson while Manson was in prison. I was oh, like wow. so fascinated by this because the book Helter Skelter was on my mom and dad's bookshelf. I was not supposed to read it. So I immediately read it. So I was fascinated <laughs> uh, by, by, uh, by uh, him. Um, and years later, I am co-hosting the Late Late Radio Show with Tom Snyder. Uh, Forty years later, wow! Um, it was just—it was amazing uh, to be with him and to feel that kind of full circle kind of yes. feeling. Like, oh my god, I right. went from here to there, and it's amazing mm -hmm. to actually get. I mean, for you, uh, Mike Nichols, or even you know, when you were young, probably watching the Tonight Show and then being on the Tonight oh Show. Oh my god, yes! I mean, I used to yeah. babysit and watch the Tonight Show when it was ninety minutes long, and I was just fascinated by the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it is crazy. So I. I don't, there's no easy segue to this, but uh, your new show, mm -hmm. uh, which you're going to be opening, is called Does This Show Make Me Look Fat? Right. And in part, it is about your battle with anorexia. 
Yes. I mean, it, I mean, it is about that. And, and, and the, I mean, it covers my childhood and, and things that contributed to the manifestation of that disease. Um, and it's a very new uh, type of work. It's, you know, I mean, after almost 41 years of stand-up, every time I would go on, on stage in a, in a live venue, I would, my goal would be to be making people laugh. And this is a really different kind of conversation that I'm having. And it's, um, it's exciting and it's also pretty nerve wracking because uh, it's new. It's different. Right, right. And, you know, I've seen different uh, versions of it, you mm-hmm. know, over the years, but I, I'll never forget the stand-up set you did on Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson, yeah, mm-hmm. that's an amazing it, set. It, it's such an amazing set because it was so brave and, and so funny. And here you are talking about this very, very serious subject, mm-hmm. and it was hysterical. Well, I end the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I'm giving away. I don't think I'm really giving away. Mm-hmm. But I do end, say, yeah, a little bit. But I end the show with that set as a culmination of how my worlds met, you know, how I was able to get these two pieces of my life together. Um and um, it was the most, it was absolutely the most gratifying thing that I had ever done in my stand-up career mm. because it was so, it was the most honest. I mean, and not that I lie in my stand-up. I mean, I think my stand-up is pretty true to who I am, but this was going to a pretty vulnerable place. How did you, how did you beat it? Well, you know, you never beat it. You never really you're never really cured of it. Um, but I manage it. I manage it through therapy. Um, I manage it through medication. I manage it through, um, support through Overeaters Anonymous, which, mm-hmm. um, is also for people who have anorexia, bulimia, um, all, all eating disorders. And that's how I manage it. And, um, you know, I've gotten to the point where, I weigh like what a normal person weighs now and nobody points me out. You know, I, I was used to most of my life being, you know, told, wow, you're so skinny. And nobody says that to me anymore. And part of me really misses that mm. because that's how I found my way to be special. A lot, a lot of, um, a lot of what, uh, attracted me to this, um, disease, I mean, not that I chose it really. I mean, I think it was in me, but a lot of what worked for me was that it gave me autonomy, which I never had growing up. I was really uh, like overly scrutinized by my parents Mm. and, um, and it made me feel special. And also, you know, uh, you can include it with the our society's um, obsession with thinness. And, you know, you look all over the place, especially with women, mm-hmm. um, that a woman is judged by how thin she is. And that made me feel very successful. Hmm. Right, right. So, I mean, there were a lot, I mean, there are, there are so many intersections with where, you know, where this disease fit in with my, the formation of who I became and who I was. And now, that's not what defines me anymore. And I think I've, I've, you know, I'm, as time goes on, I'm getting more and more used to it. 
you know, I kind of like eating. Right. Um, nice. I mean, I like not starving. Right. It's really right. nice to not have headaches mm-hmm. and not feel that I have to um, deprive myself. And it's not that it's completely gone. I still, I still, I think deprive myself sometimes and I still overthink at times what I eat. But like, you know, this morning I made myself just before I made myself some eggs and, um, and I felt really good. I was taking care of myself. I made sure I got some protein in the morning. Right. And that wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't how I thought when I was really in, in, in the throes of my disease. I right. thought of, you know, how little I can possibly eat to survive. Hmm. Right. Well, I remember, you know, I mean, we've been friends over 30 years. So I right. remember being with you and during times when you would look at me and you were thinner than you are now. Mm-hmm. And you would say, oh, God, I feel so fat. Mm-hmm. And for someone who has never, who doesn't, who's not going through what you're going through. Right. You know, there are times I would look at you and, and I would point to somebody who was really fat. And right. I would say, that's fat, you right. know, mm. but through your eyes. Right. You don't see that, you know. No. And I still look at, I mean, you know what I look like now. I weigh 120 yeah. pounds. I'm five foot four. I look mm-hmm. like pretty normal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I still, I look at myself and I still see myself as fat and I'm right. not fat. I mean, I'm, I'm normal, right. but I think I will always see myself as fat. And that's kind of what I've come to accept. I want to know um, what is the most challenging part of doing this show? Because you are a comedian and you want to make people laugh. But like you said, there are moments that maybe it's, going to be a little serious what do you what are your what are your challenges and what are your concerns with a piece like this um i think what you mentioned there the fact that it's not all funny is scary for me because i'm used to having that kind of a conversation i say something you laugh i say something you laugh and now i'm going to be affecting the audience in a different way uh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to bore people. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just afraid that I'm going to be not entertaining. That's my biggest fear. How do you put together, like, did you workshop this? Did you test it out? How, how did you put the show together? Well, it's, I mean, I've been wanting to do this for over 20 years. And I started working on it and it's gone. And I've, I think I've worked on it with, um, three different people, I think. Um, and it's gone through different iterations and I did put it on stage. It was a much shorter piece. I put it on stage at uh, that, you know, remember Sue, I think you can see it at at Mm -hmm. Actors Art Theater, that small theater. Mm -hmm. And we kind we had been working on it for so long. And I just got to the point where I just, I got, just got tired of working on it. We stopped. And then I found somebody else to work with, with, um, on it with, and, that wasn't working. That was not a good match. And then a friend of mine, Laura Coyle, uh, said, I want to help you with this. <clears throat> Excuse me. She said, I want to help you with this. I know that you're missing from this piece. I'm listening to you and Kathy's not there. Hmm. She says, I want to help you with this if you want my help. So we started working on it together and we co-wrote what we have now. And then she's, she's directing it. This is her first time directing. Mm. So this is a lot of firsts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we will be there. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. We're and, coming and to the Saturday nervous. night. Yeah, I got tickets for the Saturday night. Sue, so you're going Saturday also, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday is actually almost sold out. I think right. there are like maybe four seats left for Saturday. We are right. really Sunday's excited. Getting there and Friday probably has the most seats available. But I mean, considering that there are about 23 days before the first show. Um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, ticket sales are pretty good, but Great. I want to, I mean, I hope we sell out, obviously. Awesome. Mm-hmm. The show is called, does this show make me look fat? It is playing uh, June the 3rd through the 5th at the Pico theater in Los Angeles. It's actually the Pico playhouse. Oh, Pico playhouse. Case. Sorry. It's about okay. That. Just in yeah. case you're looking it up. Pico playhouse uh, in LA and uh, excited to see it. And Kathy, it's great to get you on the show. Uh, oh, we appreciate so you so fun. much. This went very fast. Are we done? Yeah, we're done. That's it. Oh my god. Yeah, no. Okay. It's, it's well, not like you'll have, to, you'll have to come back. Jimmy oh Pardo goes on for hours, doesn't he? Oh my god. Well, his is it's crazy. It's like two hours. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, two that's. Hours. I mean, it's very hard to find two hours to listen to a podcast. Yeah, right? I, I got. I, I got a full time job, so. I understand. This is my side hustle. This is my side hustle. So, uh, Kathy, thank you very much for doing oh, this. Oh, really I had so much it. fun with you guys. Thank you. And thanks for talking about my show. That was sure. really, um, really great. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and at SteveMason.com. Uh, really fun show today. Thank you to Kathy. Great seeing you, Sue. And we will see you next time on the Culture Pop Podcast. <laughs>